Hello and welcome back to the Couch GM Podcast. My name is Ryan Parker and I'm joined as always by Matt Chamberlain. How you doing, Matt? Good. It's been a lazy day and now we should get the podcast. Yeah, we uh, I'm really desperate for some basketball. <laughs> the schedule drops and then all of a sudden it's like, all right, well, here's the season. Yeah, like I really just want October to be here. And it, we're not close. Soon enough, but well, not close enough. We're not close at all. Uh, before we dive into episode 47, which is odd to say, um, remember to follow us on our social media, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, if you search for the Couch GM Podcast, you'll be able to find us on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, you can also find us under that name on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play. If you haven't already, we'd greatly appreciate uh, your subscription, like, follow, uh, whatever it is on that platform that you love to listen to podcasts, we'd greatly appreciate it. Um, recapping episode 46, for those who missed it, we it's a timeless episode. Mm-hmm. You can go back and listen to it anytime, but if you're listening to episode 47 now, we talked about the Carmelo Anthony situation and why he shouldn't be on any NBA team, <laughs> really. Uh, that's what the conversation broke down to. But And then we also talked about the Southeast Division uh, we talked about Atlanta's potential, uh, Charlotte's new youth movement, kind of, uh, Miami, Miami's physical roster, Orlando just saying, let's run it back, and then Matt's favorite team, the Washington <laughs> Wizards. They're fun to talk about. They are, them and I think Atlanta and Philly might be this podcast's favorite, like, this is not like a pro Washington Atlanta Philly podcast, but this is a pro talking about yes. Atlanta Philly Washington podcast. Yeah, absolutely. We love our development team, which is Atlanta. We love to crap on the Wizards because of the Wizards. They're like this podcast Knicks for everyone else. Yeah. It's awesome. But let's get into episode 47 because we've talked enough about those other teams. They don't deserve our time anymore. I'm sure they'll pop back up somehow later. Oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely yeah let's get into it though so topic one um well just for a moment it's worth mentioning um portland decides to commit to its backcourt they gave dame his extension back towards the beginning of the summer and now they've locked up cj mccollum also so he got an extension uh, for three years 100 million dollars i'm sure that 100 million felt really good signing that yeah being able to see all those zeros uh i would and he still has two years left on his current deal, worth fifty-seven million. So in total, it's really like he has a he signed a max contract this offseason, five years, about fifty-seven million dollars. Got to be feeling really good if you're CJ McCollum. Locks him up through age thirty-two with Portland. So it, they're really saying we got five years. We'll make one more good run for five years with Damon CJ and see where we're at. Maybe four years, however you want to slice that, but. Four or five year good years with this backcourt. It'll take them through their primes, and we'll see where we're at at the end of it. I like them locking this up, though. Commit to it. So, uh, I agree. I like the concept of this. But as we learned from this offseason, this is not going the full five years, right? <laughs> I mean, you would potentially think that based off of, you know, like the Paul George-ness um, that we saw this offseason. But at the same time, I feel like if that was going to happen, it would have happened now or like last summer. Yeah, that after is the good New point. Orleans. Like after they got swept, they kind of yeah came together and made that Western Conference Finals run. Um, so maybe you're right. Maybe if AD would have waved at him, they would <laughs> they would have broke up. Yeah, I guess Dame and CJ are in the business of ending uh, franchises' <laughs> runs, not ending it themselves. Yeah, that's a good point. It'll be interesting to see how this plays out with Portland. You know, and it's the same conversation it's been for the last couple of years. It's, okay, you have Dame, you have CJ. What about everyone else? Who else is on this team? Are they complimenting them? What kind of team do you want to build? What kind of offense do you want to run? What kind of defense does Terry Stotts want to have? Is Terry Stotts going to be around long enough? At this point, though, it seems like they're kind of committing to that those three guys, Dame, CJ, and Terry Stotts also, because they gave him a minor extension also this summer. So... I like that Portland saying, like, out of all the things we can do, continuity is the best, and we're just going to run with that. Yep. Everyone else is having, like, this massive turnover of trades and free agency, and I think Portland realizes, like, 
aside from like the Hassan Whiteside trade they were involved in, they don't get into a lot of that stuff um, during the offseason. So bringing back what you have, drafting well, and then finding value like in uh, in those like fringe pieces, that's where they're going to build their team. And that's fine. It's relatively worked so far. So I guess you keep running it back until something else happens or you decide to blow it up. But I don't think Portland's a blow it up city. No, I don't think so either. They've had such like a good basketball team for so long. Yeah. Like it's been over a decade run for them now, right? Feels like it. I mean, they had the Brandon Brandon Roy years. Yeah. And then they they were kind of bad because they were able to draft Damon CJ in the like late mid lottery, but then ever since then they've bounced back and they've been a playoff team. Yeah, pretty good run for a team that's kind of the forgotten about team. Like, yeah, uh, they're not like the glitz and glamour of like an LA team, but like. Well, had- and they're on the West Coast, so I'm going to get watched yeah, very much. that's a good point. But that's uh, something, and we're not going to spend really time time on it, but like the NBA schedule getting released, yeah. we see a lot more, or a lot less games on those late uh, West Coast times. Um, they're significantly cutting. I think they've cut it by almost in half how many late West Coast games there are going to be this year. Just so that way those teams can get more exposure on just normal game nights and normal times and on the weekends so people east coast or midwest like us can actually watch them without feeling guilty about it i i absolutely love the late night tips because then you got like a good like six or seven o'clock tip i mean like central time it's perfect like east coast it's probably a nightmare but yeah i'm all about my own time zone so (laughs) there's that let's talk about uh bringing this is our last division right yes it is Let's talk about the Southwest Division, Matt. So, uh, we made the parallel. If the Southeast was the potential <laughs> division, this is the equivalent, but the potential's actually been realized. Um, so, again, with each of these teams, we'll look at their rosters, um, give kind of some broad projections and outlooks for them, and point out um, some notable or breakout players and situations. Um, this division, not too many major injuries that we really have to think about none that i'm i'm really seeing off the top of my head like a kd or a clay so we're assuming no major health issues um for this season for any of these guys so we'll start with dallas um a lot of people thinking dallas is a up and up team um last season they went 33 and 49 although it felt like they were better than their ending record showed and they were they tanked at the end to get a better draft spot um, still lost their draft pick though to Atlanta, uh, with, because of the Luka Doncic trade. I don't think they were too upset about that though, because they wanted to get it done and over with. So this team, um, what their starting lineup's going to look kind of like, this is what we're assuming. It's going to be DeLon Wright, who they brought in this offseason, Seth Curry, another guy they've brought in, Luka, Maxi Kleber, who they brought back, and Kristaps Porzingis. Um, who got a new contract also. So a lot of guys either re-upping or coming over to Dallas going to be part of the starting unit. And their backups, they'll have Jalen Brunson and J.J. Brea back whenever he's healthy, Courtney Lee and Ryan Brokeroff, Tim Hardaway Jr. and Justin Jackson, Dorian Finney-Smith and their second-round draft pick, Isaiah Roby. And their backup bigs will be Dwight Powell, who got an extension, <laughs> and Boban. I forgot he was on this. Yeah, they went and got Boban. <laughs> this team's I, winning championship now. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I love that. Kristaps can take it easy. Dwight Powell can play. And then you get like 10 Boban minutes a game of just pure fun and enjoyment. He has to have like the most jersey sales of any like third stringer, right? Oh, for sure. <laughs> like, who wouldn't? I want a Boban jersey. Absolutely. I would I would like a Philly Boban jersey, I think. Those nice blue with a cursive. Yeah. That'd be nice. Um, so the projections for this team, they're a fringe playoff team. It's kind of where I think a lot of people want them to be, um, fighting for that eight spot, because I don't think they're going to be any higher than that. I think that's kind of their top end, is actually getting that eight realistically they're probably still in like the ninth or tenth spot in the west but it's not like that eighth spot in the in the playoffs is like unreasonable for dallas especially if we're assuming good health for luca and Kristaps this year yeah i mean like 
if both those guys are good in health and like we take what we saw the last time we saw Chris Tops and last time we saw Luca, this team could be competing definitely for the eighth spot. There's no no question about that. It's just whether I think Luca takes a next step. Yeah. And like that's the kind of thing we talked about with Atlanta in the last episode is what's the next step for Atlanta? Well, it depends on John Collins and Trey Young. Yeah. Um, same applies for Dallas. It all depends on this franchise is now Luka Doncic. It's no longer Dirk. Yeah. And there, yeah, it's a very clear transition over. We saw Luka like play quite a bit in the pick and roll last year and was successful. I'm just imagining the pick and pops with him and Chris yeah. right now. Like this can be just ridiculous. And then if, Kleber and Seth Curry can be on the wings and corner for for Luca just to spray the ball around. Like this can be a lot of fun. Delon Wright can kind of just be like the defensive specialist for the starting unit, taking whatever difficult wing guard the other team has, and then Seth Curry and Luca just kind of fills in around him. Like that, this like can actually work. I again, we want to assume good health, but it's it's tough knowing Chris Ops in his history, Seth Curry in his history, Dolan Wright in his history. But if we think so, then you're right. That eight spot is very, very reasonable. So then what we're watching for with this team is we've, we've kind of seen this floating around Twitter is like this thinner Luka Doncic, him apparently like working out, which is a neat thing for him to like actually do for the first time in his life. I mean, it's better than playing Fortnite on a yacht boat like he was yeah. last summer, right? Yeah. Eating fast food and just chilling. Uh, doesn't look like he's doing that at least quite as much this right. summer. Um, go have your fun too, but he uh, he looks a lot more toned, a lot more slimmed down. I think as much as anything, I don't need Luca to be ripped. I need Luca to like just be able to go out there for thirty five minutes a night and just control the game. Can you imagine his step back? Like if it was like a couple seconds quicker. I know. Like that's the, the crazy thing. works even better somehow. <laughs> like that's the crazy thing is this dude's, if he gets thinner, like some of that stuff could be quicker and yeah. like, it's just going to be, it's going to be lethal. That'd be um, just stupid. I'm excited to see what Kristaps does in a non Nick situation, <laughs> like not having to carry a team on his back. Like, cause that's all he was doing in the last season. That's the reason he tours the ACL. Yeah, just it's, dragging that franchise around. Um, so, like, it's going to be interesting to see him playing with a somewhat star. Yeah. Like, a, and I think more importantly, like, a real playmaker. Right. And and that's it as much as anything. It's like the offense isn't going to run through Porzingis. The, he's a compliment to Luka. Even though he's more of an established star than Luka, like, if you asked most people today, though, like, they would say Luka's more of the actual face of this franchise the star of this team even though Porzingis might might actually be a better basketball player than Luca is at this point but you're right like Porzingis healthy <coughs> Porzingis like really able to like show off his skills like that's what takes this team yeah. to like a whole different level because that's a huge replacement over like the Dwight Powell or Dirk they had at that big man spot last year because I can just you, you didn't just think of the offensive progression that Rick Carlo could have, along with, like, the defense, too. Like, Kristaps can be, like, a really good defender. Now, this knee, maybe he's not as switchable as we want him to be, but I don't think Rick Carlisle is too torn up about that. I feel like he'll play, like, kind of a drop system, same way the Jazz do with Rudy Gobert. Yeah. And just have those really long arms, block shots on the inside, have the... Uh, wing defender just kind of fight over the top and say we dare you to try and throw a lob because Kristaps is like 7-3 yeah. <laughs> and then if you try and shoot it well the guard's fighting over the top and at least going to make it tough Difficult. Yeah. yeah. so I think Por- uh, Porzingis can work out and then it's the last point is how far can Carlisle take the rest of this just kind of average roster because outside of those two guys if you just like ask like what's like the most average player in the NBA Dallas has, like, five of them on their <laughs> roster. Like, really, like, DeLon Wright is just, like, the most average guy. Seth Curry. Like, yes, he has, like, a shooting skill set, but not much else. He's just yeah. average. Kleber, Dorian Finney-Smith, Dwight Powell. I would say, like, Courtney Lee's kind of in that same discussion. Like, who's just average? 
they got a bunch of them. It's like they got the most role player role players like, in the <laughs> yeah, league. They did. It's like okay, well, like Seth Curry's like the most like non switchable shooting guard in the entire league, which is yeah. super hard to do when it's like all about wings now in the NBA. Um, Jalen Brunson, I think we're both a little high on. I like Jalen Brunson a lot. I like Jalen Brunson too. I think uh, Rick Carlisle also loves Jalen Brunson because he's an experienced point guard, and that's what Rick mm-hmm. Carlisle loves in his system. It's going to be really interesting to see the two guys who... I wouldn't say would be on the hot seat, but are going to have a lot of people watching them are Rick Carlisle and then uh, in Miami, Eric Spolstra. Like, this is the first time that these guys kind of have a competent roster and yeah. how long. And with, like, an elite-ish elite player, like, actually right. leading it to, like, on the court. So, yeah, like, you're right. Like, uh, two guys super well-respected. Like, in theory, like, their job shouldn't, like, be in question. But it's like, okay, we're actually giving you something now, and you're still just having the same result. Like, I could see that, like, raising some eyebrows um, across the media, across the league. Like, it's kind of the same discussion that's been had with Brad Stevens. Like, okay, we're giving you, like, this really good players like Kyrie and Al. How are we only winning 40-something games? Right. You know, we should be winning 54, 55 games. With the same team, though, like, that's lesser for him this year. People are like, he still might win 48, 49, 50 games. Because he just can take average and make it look good. But can you take good and make it look great? Right. It's going to be that similar discussion now for Carlo. you got to actually a good team. Can you make it look better than it probably is? Or Spolster in Miami. you got Butler. you got some additions here. Can you make it look better than it actually is? Even though it already is good. So yeah, you're right. Those are some some good questions because I I think Rick Carlisle is definitely an NBA coach, and he's obviously very well liked in Dallas. But on some level, you know, you Kristaps has proven he's unhappy been unhappy with franchises before, and yeah. he will get his way out. And you don't want that again. And just because he signed a new contract doesn't mean he's guaranteed to stay there. Right. Like we talked about earlier. <laughs> so we'll move on to probably the most fascinating team of this uh, division, and that's Houston. So, I just want to let that sigh, like, get its time on air. Um, last season, they went 53-29, and 29, so that's pretty good. But then you went out and uh, decided it wasn't good enough. So, you traded Chris Paul and uh, got Russell Westbrook. So, that was nifty. Wouldn't you say, Ryan? Nifty is not a word I would use. <laughs> um, so, their starting lineup is pretty much the same, aside from Westbrook starting at point guard. So Westbrook, Harden, Eric Gordon, P.J. Tucker, Clint Capella. The backups, they were able to bring back Austin Rivers, Gerald Green, Daniel House. And then they brought in Tyson Chandler. They brought back Gary Clark. So that's kind of their backup five, which I don't feel great about, but at least they're breathing human bodies. So you have that (laughs) going for you. And then a few guys at the end of the bench, um, Chris Chioza, Michael Frazier, Ben McLemore, and Isaiah Hartenstein. So it's really about the top 10 guys on this roster. Um, More so the top five, because all of them, I feel like their starting five is going to play like 35 minutes a game each. Yeah. And then (laughs) it's like Austin Rivers will play like 20 minutes. Gerald Green will play like 20 minutes. Daniel House will play like 10 minutes. And then they'll play like Tyson Chandler and Gary Clark like five. I think Daniel House is playing like, 20 he might like there's no way that pj tucker can go 82 games while defending the best i mean he basically did it last year (laughs) that's true that is true but again year after year game after game night after night it it does get tough especially when there's not a lot of else anyone else playing defense (laughs) james harden is not it's not defensive player of the year candidate for a reason sure he got a second team vote that's nice. That's nice. <laughs> Paid someone for that. That's but. nice. Um, so this team, obviously, top half of the West, for sure. It's very dependent on the Russell Westbrook edition, just how well though that goes in year one. But assuming it's going well, it's healthy, maybe a top five team in the league? Yeah. I mean, like, you think you just upgrade CP3? Mm-hmm. And, like, the athleticism in Russell Westbrook... You might, like, lose a little bit of defensive edge, but you're fine because then James Harden doesn't have to carry this team on offense for 82 games plus playoffs. So, yeah, I mean, like, they definitely have the potential. They have the scoring, and I think they have 
<clears throat> what quietly could be a good, really good defensive team. Yeah. And so, like, I'm saying top five. So that's maybe like the two LA teams, Philly, Milwaukee. And again, this is in whatever order you right. think. There, there's four, if you want to assume those are in the top four. So I guess Houston might just be at fifth by default. I mean, you can make the case for other Western Conference teams, I guess. Yeah. But, I mean, like Denver, maybe. Yeah. But like, then you're just like, okay, well, who's who's more experienced like houston or denver if they were in a playoff matchup who would i pick i'm assuming they're both healthy houston yeah so therefore why isn't houston the top five team and denver is like six or whatever yeah um we're not getting into this right now but that's why like they're somewhere in that range though of of a top five-ish team in this league um so what we or what i alluded to what we're watching for most importantly more than anything else this westbrook harden combo you you lived this. I did. Um, it was a little bit different of an animal back when I was in love with this. Because James Harden was coming off the bench. Yeah. And there was another monster of a wing player named Kevin Durant. I don't know <laughs> if you've heard of him, Matt. Uh, <clears throat> so, like, it, it's definitely different. And Harden has evolved so much his game. I don't know. <sighs> I, like, tend to think this is going to work. Yeah. Like, I just, like, everyone says, like, well, there's only one ball. Well. There was only one ball in Oklahoma City, too. (laughs) Yeah. They still won plenty of games. Like, this team can still win plenty of games. Okay, so you switch out. All right, let's just, like, think about this for a second. Russell Russell Westbrook, James Harden. You switch out Eric Gordon for Kevin Durant. All right, well, you're losing something there. P.J. Tucker for Serge Ibaka back in 2012. It's about the same. Yeah. And Clint Capella for Kendrick Perkins? Mm-hmm. Same. Like, maybe Clint Capella has the edge there. Yeah. I mean, in theory, especially for today's NBA, like, it's a more mobile defender. And that team, that 2012 Thunder team went to the finals. I don't know why... Probably should have won the championship. Should have won the championship. There was a foul on LeBron James. <laughs> I want it to be known. <laughs> Game two. NBA Still finals. mad. I'm very robbed us of the dynasty anyways uh now that i'm over my ptsd um yeah I, I i think this works but i could also see where this goes horribly wrong mm-hmm. but i think daryl Morey is okay with that taking that chance i mean you you kind of had to yeah it, it just felt like it was it was time the bullying point had come about it's not like the damon cj which we talked about at the top of the podcast who were drafted like just like a year apart and then basically grew up in the league together. That was not the Chris Paul, James Harden situation. Obviously CP3 brought in um, a couple years ago. The These two though, it f- actually has more of that feel with Westbrook getting drafted and then a couple years later, um, Harden or the next year, Harden getting drafted and then grew up for like three, four years together, right? Yeah. And before Harden got moved, not necessarily by choice. So it's like a reunion now it's like two cousins that like were like super close growing up one moved away for like middle school and high school and now like they're hanging out again later on and like they're like still close yeah yeah i mean like i i think this is gonna be fun to watch it's gonna be like a must watch team throughout the year um whether they win at a high level in the playoffs I mean, like, I don't know. But I don't know about half these teams in the league either because they there's so much turnover on their roster. Like, the one thing that you can say for Westbrook and Harden is that they did play together for some of their career already. Yeah. So it's not like they're having to reinvent the wheel. Plus, they've played, like, USA basketball together, too. Like, All-star teams. Yeah. Stuff like that. They, I mean, they know, they know each other pretty well. I just think it'll be so interesting to see uh, Houston fans take back all their 2016 MVP stuff. Yeah. Um, another nice little thing for Houston is, I'm not saying they have an easy schedule to start the year, but they open the year with Milwaukee, which will be tough. But then you have New Orleans, OKC, Washington. Um, you do have to play Brooklyn, but even then they, they might not be a great team. Um, Miami, Memphis... Golden State, Chicago, New Orleans. Like, that's your first 10 or so games. I would take that as, like, an opening 10 games to the year. Like, you could easily get off to, like, an 8-2 and two start. This Westbrook-Harden thing gets clicking real fast. 
um, because you get to play like Memphis yeah. at the beginning of the year. You get to play Washington at the beginning of the year, Oklahoma City at the beginning of the year. Like, you, you could have some fun with that and really like get this team off to a good start. And, you know, if they have that momentum, woo, that like that's tough to, to pick against. Well, it's crazy. Like, you think about first 20 games for a team, and we made so many judgments off the first 20 games of last year's Houston team. And they never really were able... They got some momentum in the middle of the season when Harden went mm-hmm. berserk, but they never really able to recover from it. They're able to get off to a fast start. I mean, this could very easily be, like, a one or two seed in the West. Yeah. No, and there's... If they do, like figure this out chemistry quickly then you're right that one or two spot in the west like should easily not well not easily but like be very obtainable for this team and i i think they could so then the other question then with me and we kind of giggled when we gave off like the six through ten guys on this roster because we like the starting lineup it's the bench that we're not huge fans of like we like it but we don't love it so What's the midseason move or pickup for this team? Because there's going to be one. Like, Daryl Morey is not just going to sit there all year and right. twiddle his thumbs. Right. It's going to do something. And you probably won't be messing with the starting lineup unless, like, it's just going terribly wrong. So what do you, what do you think Daryl Morey will do this year in January, February? So contrary to what you just said, I think you go out and get another starting wing and then move Eric Gordon to the bench and have him How? St- <laughs> have him st- No, no, no. Have him still play starters minutes. So you're still playing him in the closing lineup. You're still doing all this stuff, but for the sake of having Eric Gordon come off the bench because he was six man mm-hmm. a couple years ago, you can still feel good about that. And then you're not starting Three guards. Okay. Yes. My only thing is like, and maybe I'm thinking a little too much into this right now, but how do you acquire someone like that? Now, that's a good point. They don't have, I mean, like you would have to give up. You would have to give up something. And I don't think a lot of teams are going to take a combination of Austin Rivers, Gerald Green, Daniel House, or Gary Clark. There's not a ton of money there either. Right, right. So it's like, I mean, they have their 2020 first still. But, like, that's, like, really it. Like, everything else, like, they've sent away. And uh, the Russell Westbrook deal. Hear me out on this. All right, you ready for this? Carmelo Anthony. <laughs> cool. Again, we mentioned it last time, like it's actually like a pretty good fit. They're like as like a backup four, three four for this team. Like it actually works, but we've seen it not work. So we saw it not work with Russell Westbrook in Oklahoma City. We saw it not work with James Harden in Houston. So now that Russell Westbrook and James Harden are in Houston, I'm still thinking it's not going to work. But in theory, it would actually be a good fit. Yeah. I mean, like, that's the one, like, thing is, like, you just kind of got to, I think for this team, like you said, you're not trading for anybody, so you kind of got to hope for a buyout early season. Yeah. Um, J.R. Smith's still floating around? That could work. Like, I could see him, like, being a thing for this team um, if he wanted. They still haven't, Amon Shumpert still out there. Um, yeah, they liked him. They went out and traded for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's like one of their free agents. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if he gets brought back, but it's probably just maybe haggling over money or like he's like, I don't want to practice. <laughs> That's you know? probably it. Um, of course, like there might be, you know, an Andrew Bogut type situation. Maybe not Bogut specifically, obviously, but like uh, they go play overseas for a little bit and they come back where that's like a Jonas Urebko um, yeah. who's still a free agent or someone else. Um Corey Brewer or something. So, like, there are still guys out there, like, that they can bring in, maybe not even now, but but later on, or just a buyout guy, someone that we don't see coming right now because we haven't really taken a look at, at who all those options could be. You're right. Like, that's probably more how they're going to have to do this just because you, you pretty much cleared the cupboard, like, for all their assets. Yeah, I mean, tra- trading for CP3 was a big one. And then trading for Russell Westbrook again, they gave up a first round pick. I mean, like it was like a conditional couple picks, but yeah. like 
still you gave so, up you still gave up those yeah. rights yeah so um, you gotta live with that now knowing like you on some level like you can't do a deal involving those so uh, it's tough but they're going to make a move it's just a matter of who and when we'll go on to memphis now who somehow they also finished with the same record as dallas last year um 33 and 49 but this team it felt one. It felt worse than the record actually showed. Yeah. Um, they were at, and this team was going to look completely different from last year's team also. So their their starters for the Memphis Grizzlies, John Morant, number two overall pick. He's going to be the starting point guard. They Sneaky, quiet move. I don't know if he's good, but they acquired Josh Jackson from Phoenix. Mm, so yeah. the former number four overall pick, um, I imagine he'll actually start for this team. They'll have Andre Iguodala at least at the beginning of the year for right now. They'll have Jaron Jackson Jr. coming back, who had a good rookie season, um, ended the year hurt, but good rookie year. And then I imagine they'll start Jonas Valanciunas, who they brought back um, this summer, just for the sake of having a little bit of veteran leadership yep. in there and a true center next to Jaron Jackson Jr., which that starting lineup for the sake of a team that's not trying to be very good is fine. Your backups, you brought in Tyus Jones this mm -hmm. offseason. Minnesota decided not to match on his restricted free agency offer. You brought in Grayson Allen in the Mike Conley trade. You have Jay Crowder, who you also brought in. He's a guy that is a buyout guy um, at some point, I think. I was thinking him and Andre Iguodala. Iguodala is kind of pointed more towards like lost the Lakers, but like mm -hmm. Houston could sneakily yeah. get him. Yeah, but so both small forwards from Memphis. Um, you still have Kyle Anderson because you signed him to a ridiculous contract. <laughs> uh, and then you drafted Brandon Clark at number 23, I think it was, 21. Tra 21 because you traded up with Oklahoma City yep. to uh, to get Brandon Clark, who in time may take over as a starting um, front court mate next to Jaron Jackson Jr., but that might not even be this year. Really summer League hero. I'll say really fun in Summer League. Uh, actually, they won the MVP. But I'm not putting too much stock in that for right now. And then into their bench, the Grizzlies have D'Anthony Melton, who they also brought in from Phoenix. Dylan Brooks, Solomon Hill, Bruno Caboclo, and Miles Plumley. So for this team, super tank. Yeah. That's where I'm looking. Like you, you just need to throw Jaw, Josh Jackson, Grayson Allen, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Brandon Clark out there pretty much as much as you can and just say, like, go figure it out. You know, throw in a couple guys who actually know what they're doing in there every now and again just to make sure, like, the ball is actually moving. But I really just throw these guys out there and just let them play ball and learn through their mistakes. That's where we got to be at. Yeah. I think John Morant, I love John Morant. I think you love John Morant, too. I do. Um, I think he's going to have a rough first year in the NBA. Most, at least, most rookie point guards do. At least first, like, until All-Star break. Mm -hmm. We might see, like, a Trey Young type of thing where – post all-star break this dude starts figuring things out lighting it up but it, russell westbrook yeah. and james harden that first week of the nba is not gonna be fun. yeah i know good luck they're um <laughs> trying to guard anyone i'll say who would he like guard like eric gordon i guess yeah you kind of gotta put him out but even then like eric gordon has all these vet moves to move around screens yeah, and like uh, it's just like yeah that's your I best mean, that's, bet, probably that's an anomaly knowing like houston's just like elite team but yeah. still like that's just the nba yeah like there's just a bunch of those type of guys out there um even if they're maybe not quite as good they're still like big right and john morant's still kind of skinny right now um needs to get some of that memphis barbecue yeah um, so in that's just kind of how it's gonna be with josh jackson too um in the meantime like because he's still figuring out how to play in the nba brandon clark will take a minute jaron jackson jr is still learning like there's just going to be a big learning curve for a lot of these guys still even if they've been in the league for a year or two and so then that's what we get into is like the development of the young guys because in theory like you kind of have a young starting lineup there jaw grayson allen josh jackson triple j and brandon clark there's your one two three four five um that's awesome that that's is an awesome like young lineup that's cool um but you know, right now it's not going to work in the NBA. But if we're trying to think realistically, you're with the jaw take, like you're right. Same thing with Colin Sexton last year, Trey Young. Like it's just going to take a bit just to figure out the speed of the game, how not to turn the ball over 14 times in a game. Yeah. Just all those kind of things. Like it shouldn't take a bit. The Josh Jackson one, though, was really interesting. 
because he is kind of forcing his way out of the NBA if he doesn't like turn it around. Yeah, I mean, this is you think his last stop, right? Like if he doesn't figure he, it out. Yeah, if he wants a second contract, like he needs to at least show like some level of maturity and growth. And they like there are so many reports out of Phoenix. Like he just kind of like he's like I got paid. It's like, well, compared to a normal person, like, yeah, four, five, six million dollars a year, that is getting paid. I would take three, four, five, six million dollars a year to do my job, but teachers don't make that much. <laughs> um, so, but like, he was just kind of enjoying that a little too much, um, not thinking about it as like a professional basketball player. Like, okay, now go work for the rest of the, like, your next deal, you right. know? So, like, seeing that progression would just from a maturity is what we need from Josh Jackson, but also like his game. His game hasn't seemed to really like evolved in his couple years with Phoenix. Like he's still a bad jump shoot, jump shot um, shooter. He still doesn't really play defense, even though it looks like he should be great at defense. He should be an elite like perimeter perimeter defender. Yeah, yeah. talk about like a switchy guy because he's like long enough and tall enough to like really switch onto like fours even. But he doesn't have the strength. He's never really tried to develop strength. It seems like, and I may be completely off with that because I don't know what he does in the gym but i've watched games and there just really hasn't seemed to be much getting better from year one to year two year three like i don't i don't know like he just doesn't really do it for me anymore and i wanted to like him but i've just never been on his bandwagon and he's proven why yeah i mean you hope to get like if you're memphis like you hope to get him around maybe like a john morant who's like let's go win or like yeah. a Jaron Jackson Jr. to maybe flip that mentality a little bit, or even a Grayson Allen, even though he still he can, wants to win, <laughs> he still trips people. Maybe I mean maybe that's why they, they end up keeping Andre Iguodala around, and they say like, no, you just you're just gonna play, you're gonna be our vet guy. Yeah. Um, even though you want to go win, like we the, we need you to teach some of these guys like how to be a professional, how to actually yeah. play NBA basketball first, right? Before we let you go. And you're right, he would hopefully be like a good mentor. To him he might just yell at him but <laughs> just me but the most disgruntled veteran oh in my the gosh. NBA. i mean i wouldn't blame him um look at this roster but <laughs> you know and i get why memphis took a chance on him though like mm-hmm. you traded him to to phoenix in that kyle corver um deal you sent javon carter out too so it's like it was a worthwhile gamble for yep. a team that's just super tanking i totally got the move but at the same time like he might be at more of a headache than anything but hey sometimes you just gotta take a talent swing for memphis because you're not getting these guys any other way right um than than this so what do you think they're gonna get so we assume iguodala and crowder will stick around for a little bit what do you think is like they're gonna get for them like what do you think memphis is gonna try and do for like a deal or are they just gonna buy them out eventually and say like thanks for the life lessons you gave these guys i mean you would, as Memphis, you would want like assets back, either draft assets, so like picks. But I think teams are going to be really unwilling to part ways with their first or second round picks at this point because of just like how they treat those. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like Iguodala, you could probably get a late first rounder for. So like maybe Houston, you can dangle that yeah. out. An and, expiring contract and a yeah late first for something. I, I like I don't know. Um, I feel like Iguodala and Crowder can both be helping fringe playoff teams or even teams that are contending for Mm -hmm. the championship. Um, So it really just kind of depends. It's going to be really tough. You're not going to be able to move these guys in a trade until December, essentially. So anytime after December 15th, I think they get something of value. I don't, I think it's anywhere from like a pick 26 to pick whatever like yeah like an early yeah an early second is still like usually a pretty decent pick um yeah all right you're probably right around in there a team i'd really love to see go out there and make a move just because they actually have like guys that work trade-wise would be like portland yeah for like one of these two like whether that is the lower end jay crowder or like the higher end andre guadala just for like a season you know because you could throw in like baysmore or someone yeah, um, to make the money work, because not a lot of teams have money just to take on the like Iguodala salary, right? But and then attach their 
25th pick in the draft, which they don't really care that much about anyway. <laughs> um, and say like, we're, we're going to bring this guy in right now. And like, that could be like a really cool move. You're right. The LA teams, the Houston's of the world, like there are teams out there that would make the deal for one or both of those guys, um, just depending on who was available and at what point in the year. Something that might be interesting, and I'm just kind of spitballing this off the top of my head, but getting, like, if Minnesota really gets into it and they just get tired of the Wiggins experiment, like, it would be a great swing, again, for Memphis, kind of yeah. like we are talking about with Josh Jackson, but also an awesome opportunity to get a vet for Minnesota who could play the wing as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, and I'll say if everything else was going well, except Wiggins, yeah, throwing Wiggins and take on uh Iguodala and then you'd probably have to tap but like if you could get Memphis to give you Iguodala and then you have to take on like Kyle Anderson also for Andrew Wiggins oh okay yeah okay let's do that yeah that'd be that'd be cool to me I mean like again you're kind of getting a guy on a second contract who's probably not going to get a third if he keeps playing this way. Feels like it. Um, but, like, again, you're Memphis, so you kind of have to take swings on these. You do. Like, fringe, yeah. like, fading potential guys. You know, like, there's talent there. It just hasn't been put together in the NBA. But then, again, like, you're looking at, like, Morant, Wiggins, Triple J. Like, that's a – if it works, that that's really fun moving forward. Yeah. Um, but, man – I just don't know if Minnesota will ever give up on the Wiggins experiment, to be honest. Not the way it sounds from their front office. Yeah, they're like committed to make sure it works, which is kind of ridiculous. Um, <laughs> a team that decided to decommit um, New Orleans yes. from their star. Well, I can't call Andrew Wiggins a star, but from their primary guy. So New Orleans last year, again, this, this division, they went 33-49 and 49 also. <laughs> um, just the most mediocre records. Then, yeah um so this team is gonna look entirely different than from what it did last year really it's just drew holiday um but with a whole new bunch of guys so drew holiday uh will be the starting point guard his backcourt mate will probably be jj reddick um i'm assuming if he decided to come there it was with the guarantee that he'll be the starter brandon ingram i am assuming will start just because of how the depth chart ends up working out for this team. So Brandon Ingram at the three, Zion at the four, and then they brought in Derek Favors. So I imagine he'll be the starting center for this team. Your backups, you have Lonzo, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who was really fun in summer league, Josh Hart. They found kind of a little gem in Kenrich Williams last year. Um, He can play the three or the four. I like him. And then they brought in Jackson Hayes with a top 10 draft pick also. You have Frank Jackson, Darius Miller, Etwan Moore, Nicolo Melli, and Jaleel Okafor rounding out the end of your bench. So actually like a young but still deep team New Orleans has going on here. This is going to be, like if this team works out, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> like, oh, it's going to be so cool. Like the length and like athleticism and like, okay, so let's say we switch out uh, JJ Redick for Nikhil Alexander Walker. So you have Drew Holiday, NAW, Brandon Ingram, Zion, and then Jackson Hayes in your lineup at some points. That's ridiculous. Like, that is just like the most switchable, ridiculous team. Like, there's just going to be dunks. Like, that's all, this, <laughs> that's all this team is going to be able to do, but it's going to be amazing. Oh, no, that's like my favorite lineup for this team. Just straight up is what you just said. Um, I don't think you can start it. But no. but <laughs> uh, but for like three or four minutes, just run that lineup out there and just see what happens. Yeah. Um, especially if like, you know, it's kind of like the game's like whatever, you're not doing so hot. Just throw it out there just for some fun. Um, get the crowd into it, the 12 people that attend your game. Um, <laughs> At the I, Smoothie King Center? Oh, my gosh. Um, tropical Smoothie is better. Uh, but That's a real take. So I, I'm excited for what this team can be. That's why I said for my projection, they're, like, fighting for the playoffs. Don't know if they'll get there, but they can realistically fight for it. They somehow won 33 games last year. It felt a lot less. It was kind of like the... Memphis situation that we just talked about. Like how, how did you get that win total? If it totally baffles me. If they're able to get 
33 wins with essentially Drew Holiday and a whole bunch of nobodies. What can this team do with like Drew Holiday and a bunch of potential? Yeah, like kind of talent. Yeah. Um, so that'd be cool. Um, I could see them being in a similar situation like Dallas was in. Like they were going real hot. And, you know, maybe at the end of the year they decide like we're not getting the playoffs. Like the eight seed is like a 46 win team, 48 win team. And they're kind of in that like 39 mark. And they could just like tank the last like five, 10 games of the year. Um, but I, I think that 40-ish number like is realistic for this team. If they go above like 40, 41, it's going to be because Zion figures it out very early on. Brandon Ingram like realizes like how to play basketball in the NBA like on a more efficient level. And then you just get consistent production from like your vets, Drew, JJ Redick, Derek Favors, and the bench figures it out enough. Like that's how that team gets to like 46, 47, 48 wins. But like it's not so far out in left field that like you can't really imagine it. There's a possibility there. Yeah, I mean, like, it feels like this team could be like that Orlando 41 and 41, Mm -hmm. like just splitting their games right down the middle. Maybe a little tad tad south of that, but, like, it's very possible. I mean, like, there's the thing is, like, what we just talked about with Memphis is, like, they have a lot of guys who have to develop. They do. This team, a lot of these guys have been playing in the NBA for a minute. There's only, like... What, three rookies on this team? Zion, NAW, and Jackson Hayes. Yeah. So, like, it's not like it's a whole bunch of rookies they're starting out yeah. there. So, like, it's very possible that these guys could figure it out and make a run. Yeah. Hopefully, like, this is, like, the kick in the butt, like, Lonzo needs to, like, step up to be, like, what we thought he could be. The kick in the butt for Brandon Ingram. Josh Hart, though, is a pretty consistent worker. Like, you don't have to really worry too much about that. But, like... The other guys they have filling in around, like Kenrich Williams, that's just like a hardworking dude who's yeah. like, knows like if he doesn't, like he's not in the league. Right. Just straight up. Derek Favors, like he kind of by choice was taking like two year deals, but like he's not guaranteed a starting spot in the NBA anymore, like especially with the way the league's going. Like he could easily be relegated to a backup if he's not out there really giving it. Of course, Drew is starting caliber. JJ Redick, he's a specialist, but probably a starter. But like, you can just have like a really good team here. And if Zion's able to be what we all like think he will be, then like that's what elevates him. But he could just have a good rookie year, and I think that's okay too. If Zion just has a good rookie year, and that's like the number one thing to watch for with this team is if he's going for like sixteen eight and four that's good yeah like i'd be like relatively happy with that if it was like efficient of course though he could go for 29 and five also um which would be absolutely ridiculous and that like would elevate this team to like a very real like eight seed um potential but man for a rookie to go like 29 and five would that's just ridiculous like you don't see that yeah, so LeBron, in his rookie year, played 79 games, averaged 39 minutes a game. Good <laughs> lord. Uh, and scored 20 points a game, had uh, five rebounds a game, and five assists. So, like, if we're comparing him to LeBron, which I greatest player of this generation is a stretch, if you think, like, 20... Like five and like he's not the pat like playmaker sister that LeBron is and like two, like that's a that's a win for New Orleans. Yeah, like all around. I think so. Um, so it's just gonna be his impact might even be more so like in things that aren't stats. Also, like can mm-hmm. he actually play defense? Yeah. Um, on the NBA level, like can he switch? You know, will he box out? Will he like not just like be a sticky fingers with the ball? Will he actually like move? it and not just like try and go one-on-one every time like those type of things are really what's going to determine like his effectiveness um for this team and and their ability to step up to although i want to see him dunking 12 times a game also i want to see like highlights at the end of the year that he's broken like three rims like legit <laughs> he just, could like, do it shattered the rim i want it i don't know if they'll let him do it um because i don't know if they have the money to spend down there um with that team because they don't invest 
I mean, but, like Smoothie King probably has it laying around somewhere. Somewhere. Um, another thing for this team, I'm just curious how Alvin Dentry will kind of spread around the minutes to yeah. get that camaraderie, but also get the new guys that experience they actually need. Um, like Lonzo, even though he's been in the league for a minute, he still obviously needs to play because he's missed half the year in each of his first two years. Like yeah. He still needs to play to like really figure out how to be an NBA point guard or combo guard, whatever position you want to call him. Like he still needs time. NAW obviously needs time. Look good in summer league, but it's not the NBA. Josh Hart, like he's he's probably about where he's going to be in his career, which is fine. But like Ingram needs time. Zion needs time. Jackson Hayes needs a lot of time on the floor <laughs> to figure out how to play in the NBA. Like I'm just curious how those minutes are going to be allocated. Because you don't want to be running Zion and Drew and JJ out there for 35 minutes a game. Yeah, no, that's that would be excessive. You don't want to start Zion with like I don't know, like potential knee injuries yeah. or like whatever, just ankle injuries or not just not being able to heal. I think like I don't know, 28, 30 minutes. That's what I was saying. Somewhere like 25 to 30 to start, just to help him like get integrated to the league. Yeah. Um, and all that comes with it, and Redick being older, Drew like. There's on some level there's gonna be no point in needing to carry this team to that like excessive level um, at 35 minutes a game. Like you don't need to do that, um, especially if like you're a fringy team anyway. Unless you like realize at some point like oh crap we're like 30 and 23 like we should make a run at this. Like then you can like bump up the minutes. But until then like you don't need that on his body this wear and tear late and later in his career he's not old. But he is older, um, really on his probably last big contract. Um, although I could see him get another. So I'm just curious how Alvin Dentry will handle that situation. Last team in the Southwest Division, though. <laughs> and this team, it's like the most boring team, <laughs> but not boring. So San Antonio um, somehow went 48-34 and 34 last year. Death taxes in the San Antonio Spurs. The only guarantees in life, Matt. Every year. Um, <laughs> got to that seven seed before they lost to the Nuggets in a seven-game series in the playoffs. Uh, hard fought, very ugly, but it was at least competitive, um, unlike most of the other first-round series in the NBA. So this team, again, just an odd squad here. So we're assuming DeJounte Murray and Derek White will be back um, healthy, ready to go at the start of the year. As their backcourt, they'll still have DeMar DeRozan. They brought back Rudy Gay this offseason, and they still have LaMarcus Aldridge. Their backups, Patty Mills, be here for the rest of forever. <laughs> Marco Bellinelli. Um, they brought in Damari Carroll. They brought in Trey Lyles. And then they still have Yako Pertle, who they traded for in that Kawhi Leonard deal. And then in the end of their bench, Bryn Forbes. Lonnie Walker will hopefully be healthy this year. Um, I could see him taking over that backup shooting guard spot if Bell and L.H. is kind of average-ish again this year. They brought in the two rookies, Keldon Johnson and Luka Samanic, and they still have Chemezi Metu at the end of their bench. So, like, again, just above average, but not great from top to bottom of their roster. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Like, there's no, like, guy here, like... Yeah, this is the this is the dude. This guy's gonna carry this team to the playoffs. Yeah, um, it's like Demar's good, Lamarcus is good, and they they will get you a certain amount. But it, and then Pop will probably push him over, and they'll be that eighth team in the playoffs. Um, so New Orleans just go ahead and shut it down. Actually, take back <laughs> everything we just said. Shut it down. Um, but it's just like it's not a very inspiring roster at this point. So, again, fringe playoff team for San Antonio, still somewhere in the, like, 7 to 10 range. I feel like half the West is the 7 to 10 range, though. Um, so it's just a lot of teams fighting for those last couple spots. They'll be right there just because Pop will get them there. But if things are going south, how long are L.A. and DeMar really going to want to be in San Antonio? Because those contracts are expiring pretty soon. Yeah, I mean, it's tough because, like, what is DeMar DeRozan's value in the NBA? Like, it, yeah. like I think Toronto got the best value for him, obviously, in getting back Kawhi Leonard. But I just don't see, I don't see a team just willing to take on DeMar unless you're 
in real need of like a third quote-unquote third dude yeah but he's more like feels like more like a fourth option now than a third third even at times i still think he's a third option on a championship team i still think he is he just turned 30 um this august so it's he's not old but he he's getting there he's got this year left on his contract and then a player option for 2020 2021 um for 27 almost 28 million dollars i could very well see him declining that though trying to get that one last big deal um while he's still in his prime ish um years so realistically this is demar's last year of his contract yeah For san antonio you get into like the classic nba conversation of he's going to his last year and you don't know if you're bringing him back what do you do with him do you try and trade him do you just run it out and say like we'll, we'll evaluate this contract thing at the end of the year we just saw that with Kimba, and it not go well for, for <laughs> Charlotte in the end. Um, we've seen other teams uh, get into this, too. And, you know, it's a different situation, but like Kawhi in Toronto. Yeah. Like, he left, and what did they have? Uh, Pascal? <laughs> like, but it, it gets very thin really quick. Um, so with San Antonio, you get into that same argument. I could see them moving him. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, same thing. He's 26 million this year, 24 million the year after that, but only 7 million of it's guaranteed. So you could trade him and a team if they didn't want him for that 2020, 2021 season, they could waive him and he's only a $7 million hit. You could stretch that out over three years and it's only 2 million and change. That's nothing really. So really both of those guys, they're in their last year of the contracts. So what do you do with them? I don't know if either of those guys really feel like Spurs-type guys in the first place. And that was a common topic um, whenever they acquired them. Yeah. Um, both. But the Spurs don't make trades either. Right. Right? Like, they don't do stuff like this. So, I I don't know if they're going to get traded. I don't know if they're going to get moved. Unless, like, things are just going to hell in a handbasket. Well, the thing is, like, the Spurs haven't done it before. But they're about to reach uncharted territory in the last 20 years where they're going to be falling out of contention. Yeah, no Tim anymore, no Manu, no Tony, no Kawhi, and then no DeMar or LaMarcus. Like, all of your all-stars from the last 15 years that you've had, none of them are going to be on this team anymore. Yeah. Realistically, at the end of this season. Yeah, and, like, you had an amazing run, but, like, at some point, you... Like, there's a point of diminishing returns, right? Like, even if they get another all-star for, let's say, DeMar DeRozan and a combination of LaMarcus Aldridge or Rudy Gay or someone else, whoever. Yeah. Like, is that all-star player going to be good enough to make this team a championship contender? Probably Probably not. not. Yeah. Um, Murray or White would have to take, like, a huge step forward. Which could happen. Yeah, I'd say they were super high on DeJounte Murray. They think, like, the the kid's the real deal. But he got hurt last year, and it's kind of the same DeJounte Murray problem. Like, this dude looks like he weighs 120 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> and you're playing NBA. So, like, how can you really hold up? We want him to real bad. Right. I want him to. I want to see him out there. But he's got, like, he just hasn't proven he can. He's got to play. He's got to play. And, uh like, I want San It's so much fun, like, having Pop and San Antonio Spurs being in contention. But, like, it, at some point, they're just... It's just going to end. And yeah. it might not be graceful, but it's going to end. Yeah. And I, I, just, I think I don't want to see it go like that. So do the smart thing, which is... Unless you're just off to, like, an incredible, you know, start. You're even mid-all-star, you know, around all-star break. January-ish even. Like, unless you're just off to, like, a fantastic start. Yeah. Get something back. Because you, at the trade deadline-ish, or, you know, a month before then, you could get something very real back for LaMarcus and or DeMar. Like, not just, like, I'm not even talking, like, a late 20s draft pick. You get, like, a player back that can be helpful. You can get, like, a young prospect or two that's, like, at least helpful long-term and a pick. You could get like some combination back. It won't be as good as the Kawhi trade, but like whatever like the slight next step down from that is, like that's reasonable for at least Demar and Lamarcus. You can that's not like a negative contract. Right. <clears throat> so 
I just don't want to see it go down that badly um, for this team. And in theory, if you do it right, like this team can pop right back up into the playoffs either this year or next year. Yeah. So it's like, what are you? Because in free agency, it's kind of the same thing. Like they don't get those guys in free agency um, consistently. You know, Lamarcus came to them, but Lamarcus was on the back half very clearly of his prime yeah and hasn't been the same guy um that we grew to love in portland he's been fine but not that guy the last thing for the spurs is we've touched on it the murray white backcourt in theory this backcourt should work really really well together white being the offensive guy the score Dejounte murray being the defensive like kind of specialist and he's a really good defender he's small but he's a really good defender this backcourt would be a lot of fun if they could ever get on the court together. Yeah, I mean, like that. Derek White was lighting it up there he for was. a second in the playoffs. Um, but, like, if him and Murray can get on, like, that's... that. I mean, like, that. to your point, what you were just making is, like, this team resets on a different course mm-hmm. if they end up popping. And that's what San Antonio really needs is just someone to pop because they don't really have that as of mm-hmm. now i'll say in the seven playoff games um for the spurs and uh against the nuggets Derek white averaged uh 15 points three rebounds three assists um but it often felt like he was doing so much more for this team um, because no one else was really stepping up to to help him out so i i like what he showed last year and with murray what he showed two years ago um whenever he was last healthy, played um, actually in 81 games that year. Only started about half of them, though. So, like, they're using him in his minutes per game. We're only, like, 21 uh, minutes per game. But, again, promising young guy. They're both kind of combo guards. Neither really a true point guard. Yeah. But together, they kind of make one, like, good point guard. So, I think that this team, like, with this backcourt, really does have a future. But until like they're consistently on the court at the same time, which they've never really been, because White didn't play much his rookie year, and then Murray was hurt all of last year whenever White was able to emerge. I think there's something real there, but I would love to see Pop actually get the chance to go at it with those guys. It's not quite Tony Parker and Manu Ginobili. Um, Ginobili. But, <laughs> Gino, Ginobili. Um, but it, it would be a really good um, sight to see. Yeah. I think even just like, just adding to that, like Brendan Forbes and Lonnie Walker. Yeah, like those guys fun. can play. I'll say Lonnie Walker could be a huge difference maker for like the trajectory of this franchise, because he's a scorer. Yeah, he he is from like the Demar Derozan school of scoring. It doesn't always look pretty, but somehow he ended ends up with twenty four on somewhat relative efficiency. So if he's like a thing, the Spurs would be ecstatic. Yeah. I mean, they spent like a mid first round pick on him. So, yeah. You'd hope so. And then Brent Forbes also played really well in that playoff yeah. series. Shooter. Then. Yeah. Always but need shooters. Just just let him go at it. So, there's like, there's stuff there. And just this team has a very clear ceiling. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's not good. So, we'll, we'll leave San Antonio at that. We won't harp on them too much because I feel like bad for it. It feels right. nasty, like saying not positive things about the Spurs. So this division, even though there's a lot of good teams, as there's only one great team, and that's Houston, obviously. So just like we have at the end of every one of these, interesting bet here. Over under one and a half playoff teams for this division. I'm going to take the over, and I think I probably have like 20 teams in the playoffs at this point. Uh, But death taxes and the Spurs and Houston's going to make the playoffs, so that gets me to two. I would say you're really betting just... Between Dallas, New Orleans, and San Antonio, will one of them make the playoffs? So there's like six teams that are fighting for that last playoff spot um, in in the Western Conference between like Sacramento, these three teams. Um, like there's there's some challenges there, and then you also get into the Northwest with like Minnesota. Are they going to make it in or not? Like, is Oklahoma City going to keep Chris Paul and really like <laughs> actually try and like do this? Um, I don't feel great about that one, but it's like, okay, there are five teams. Three of them are in this division. 
will one of these three make it in? I guess so. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess the Spurs are going to get it. Um, but yeah, I don't feel great taking the over. And it's weird having like so many good teams yeah. and not feeling great about really, any of them. Yeah, any of them. So I guess I'll take the over also. But man, like, I don't feel good about it. Yeah. I, man. I feel I, bad because I feel like I'm leaving Sacramento out and I really want Sacramento to make it. Right. That's a little, I'm, like, I know I'm saying, like, a little bit biased in there, but, like, I want them to, like, take that step. I, they'd be more fun to me than San Antonio in the playoffs. I'll just throw that out there. Yeah, they would probably be. They might still lose in five games, but at least I get to see De'Aaron Fox play five playoff games. minutes. Yeah. 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 I, I, that would be fun. I don't I, uh, this But then legit. I feel dirty talking bad about the Spurs. Just, just. Let's end with this. Popovich is one of the greatest coaches of all time. There. Now that that wiped away any... Any of our sins. <laughs> any of our sins. I fixed it. <laughs> um, anyways, thank you so much for listening to episode 47. We're trucking our way to 50 episodes, which is crazy. Uh, we're going to have to get in some weird podcast now. Oh, now yeah. until basketball starts, because we've got like a month, month and a half mm-hmm. of content. And we're just going to have to fill. I'm pumped for it. I'm excited. Get ready for some weird podcast ideas. That's all I'm saying. Hot takes. Hot takes. That's, maybe that's our next podcast. It's just like our untalked about hot takes. Oh, yeah. I, I like that. that. I like that. Episode 48 coming your way next week. Anyway, um, thank you so much for listening to our uh, Division Breakdown series. Shout out to Matt for coming up with a fun podcast series. This is a really fun off-season experiment to do, our first off-season experiment to do. Um, Listen to any of those episodes. We started around, what, 41? 42. 42. Episode 42 to 47. So check them out. uh, We really enjoyed doing these. So thank you so much for listening. I'll remind you to follow us on social media like I did at the top of the episode and um, find us on your social media pla- or social media platforms, podcast platforms, whichever of your choosing. Thank you so much for listening to us. We'll see you back next week with some zany idea. Yeah.